the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a matter of priorities. Don't live your life so that it's going nowhere of little spiritual consequence. You say, but I mind my business. I don't, I don't hurt anybody. Yeah, the people in the Guinness Book of World Records don't hurt anybody either. But what difference does it make? That's the point. What difference has your life made? Paul's life made a difference, and he is calling Timothy to take up the mantle and make a difference as well. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff on the Guinness Book of World Records website. Stuff like the oldest person ever recorded, or the tallest living person. Most of it, though, is useless achievements like the longest fingernails in the world, or the largest collection of Pokemon memorabilia. I don't know about you, but I hope my life represents something more meaningful than blowing a 20-inch bubblegum bubble. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And today, he'll be concluding our series of studies from 2 Timothy. In verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What a great example for us to follow. Here's Pastor Steve. So like a wrestler, he's fought and won. Like a runner, he's raced and finished. And now, the third imagery, as he sums up his life, is he's like a soldier. He guarded the treasure and nobody got in to take this treasure. The end of verse 7, I have kept the faith. In spite of all the attacks and the opposition to the gospel, Paul has guarded against twisting and, and perversion. And really, the gospel that was entrusted to him at the beginning of his ministry is the same one that he is handing to Timothy at the end of his ministry. That's a great truth. I have, I have uh, kept the faith. I have guarded it. I have watched over it, and I have not allowed anybody to pervert it. That is a wonderful, wonderful statement. Now, when you come to the end of, of your days on earth, what will describe your life in retrospect? That's what I had to ask myself this week. What will describe it? I like what R.A. Torrey did. He put this very verse on his tombstone. What will describe your life? Have you struggled, run, have you guarded? Now, here's a man with one foot in the grave and one foot in heaven, and just before he departs, it's as if he's shouting to his followers, look, follow in my steps. It's a general who is shouting to the privates, get going and follow and do it the way that I've done, so that when you come to the end of your life, you will have no regrets. But you say, wait a minute, those steps mean difficulty. Those steps mean heartache. You're right. Paul's Christian life and ministry was no party. No party. It wasn't easy. It involved labor. 
being misunderstood. It involved loneliness, sacrifice, danger, and it wasn't a happy life. There's, there is a, a silly little song that is popular today which says, don't worry, be happy. Everywhere you go, you hear that. Don't worry, be happy. Paul didn't live like that. Paul's life was not happy. Joyful, yes. Happy, no. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is dependent on your relationship with the Lord when he is reigning as king. Paul did not have a happy life. Paul was not into creature comforts. But was it worth it? I mean, is it really worth it? And you, you and I have to ask ourselves this because uh, we're going to come to the end of our days. How do we live our life? Should we just say, listen, I'm going to get to heaven. Let's just live any old way. Uh, it really doesn't matter. Let's just be happy. Don't worry about a thing. Just, just be happiness is, is the really the way to go in life because after all, that's it. Well, is it? Was it worth it for Paul? Absolutely. Because verse 8 says that's not all there is to life. In the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all, also to all who have loved his appearing. At the end of a race in the Greek and Roman culture, there was a victor's crown. It was called the Stephanus. That's where they get the name Stephen from. My name in Greek means crown. There are two Greek words for crown, at least two that I'm aware of. One is the crown for a king, diadem, crown for a king. The other is Stephanus, which is a crown for a victor. That's the word that's used here, a victor's crown. Paul is saying that there was a victor's crown waiting for him in heaven. Nothing more remained for him to do now but to get the prize. The prize was waiting for him. Greek and Roman athletes who won athletic contests were rewarded with a garland of, of leaves worn on their heads, a, a wreath, a crown of leaves that were worn on their heads. It would be equivalent to our, to our Olympic medals, only we wear it around our necks. They wore it on their heads. And Paul defines this, and you should see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is good to see and important to see because Paul defines this crown. There are a number of crowns. There are a number of rewards that the Bible speaks of. But insight is given into this in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul writes in verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in, in a race all run? but only one receives the prize. In other words, there's only one victor. There's only one gold medalist. All, receive, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Now, in the Christian life, it's a little different. In the Christian life, many receive the prize if they run properly. Verse 25 says, And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Now, Paul defines that imperishable wreath in 2 Timothy chapter 4 as, turn back here, what does he call it? He calls it the crown of righteousness. Now, there are a number of crowns in the Bible, but this one is the crown of righteousness. In other words, it's a crown which is given to those who pursued a course of practical righteousness. It does not mean that Paul was given righteousness because he lived such an exemplary life. That would be salvation by works. It must mean that it is a, uh, a crown that is given to those who lived a life of practical righteousness. In other words, those who pursued obedience, those who had a consistent pursuit in their life of obedience. Paul's reward for his diligence and righteous living was that. And, and 
in 1 Corinthians 9, again, let's look a little bit further, 26, because I'll show you that this is what he's talking about. Righteousness, discipline of his life, godliness, obedience. Therefore, I run, verse 26, in such a way as not without aim. Now, you've never seen a runner, a serious runner, run without aim. He knows what he's doing. He knows the, the goal line. I may not have won, but at least I knew to stay on the track. Okay? That's helpful. Don't run without aim. I box. Now he changes the metaphor. Now, rather than a runner, he's a boxer. I box in such a way as not beating the air. You want to beat your opponent. That's the purpose of boxing. I don't care for boxing, but that is the purpose of it. You don't uh, want to shadow box. You don't win anything by beating the air. Verse 27, but I buffet my body and make it my slave. Boy, that's, that's tremendous. What does he mean? Literally, it's I give myself a black eye. I literally punch myself. I bring my body into subjection. I master it. It does not master me. Lest possibly, after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about discipline. He's talking about, about the disciplined life of a godly man, a godly woman, obedience, righteous living. And when that takes place in a life, you can say at the end of your life, in the future there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. That's God's reward for a righteous person. Now who's going to give him this reward? The righteous judge. Makes sense? A righteous judge gives a righteous reward. Why is that significant? Keep in mind where Paul was. He was in a Roman dungeon, and they were on the verge of accusing him of being unrighteous, as being guilty against the, the Roman state. But Jesus Christ, who is the righteous judge, will vindicate the Apostle Paul and will, will give him a crown that reveals the truth about Paul. No mistake, as they will do in Rome, as they did in Rome, looking back on it now. No injustice, as, as Nero uh, Caesar did with Paul. No, the truth is that he's a righteous man. The righteous judge will see to it, not the unrighteous Caesar. You think it's worth it? You think it's worth it living a godly life to get a reward like this? You know, we tend to think sometimes that rewards are handed out like we hand out at banquets. You know, here's so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Here, I'll give it to this usher. I'll pass it to that person. I don't think that's it at all. In Romans 14, we're told that we, we all get our reward from him. You know what I believe? I believe that this is an, a, a very intimate reward. I don't believe the Lord Jesus is going to hand it to some angels and say, pass it around. Pass it out. No, you know what, what the Bible indicates? That we receive this crown from Christ. I can't think of anything more thrilling than to stand before Jesus Christ and for him to say, this is for you, Steve, for me, for your faithfulness. I can't think of anything more thrilling than that. Anything. Could you? This is for you, John. This is for you, Mary. This is for you, Paul. This is for you, Timothy. This is for your faithfulness, for me. Thank you. Here's your reward. It's worth it all. All the sacrifice. I'd go through anything, even death, to get that. Nothing's more thrilling than that. That's what Paul's talking about. He could fight, he could run, he could do anything. You know why? Because his life had meaning. And he wanted a reward. That's not the only motivation, but that's a strong one. It's a good one. Now, when did Paul get his reward? Well, he says in verse 8, that day, he's speaking about rewards for a believer, that day, well, what day? Revelation 22, verse 12. We just finished Revelation, but verse 12 of the last chapter, of the last book in the Bible, 
says this, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. What day is Paul speaking of? The day that Paul's referring to is immediately after the rapture. When Jesus appears again for his bride, the church, then the rewards are going to be handed out. Do you realize that Paul still hasn't gotten his reward yet? I don't think he minds. But he's still waiting for his crown? You say, will he get it? Won't they give it to somebody else? No. Look at verse 8. In the future there is laid up for me. That word, the expression laid up for me means it's safely stored away. No, I don't think Paul cares now. It's, it's safe. Couldn't be in a safer place. But it's not only a crown reserved for Paul. Look what he says at the end of verse 8. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearance. That means, Timothy, get the point. It's for you. A reward will be for you if you live like I have lived, if you preach the word. And I would say it's for you, it's for me, if we take up the mantle. Why will those who love his appearing get a reward? Well, it's because those who are obedient long for him to come back. Those who are disobedient, people, Christians who, people who claim to be Christians and live in carnality do not love his appearing. You know why? They're not ready for him to come back. They're, they would be ashamed. 1 John chapter 2 and chapter 3 speaks about this. 1 John chapter 2 Verse 28, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Tonight, if he appeared, would you shrink away? Ashamed? Are you up to date on your obedience? Have you confessed your sin? Are you doing things that are wrong? Do you have a bad attitude towards somebody? Do you have a lack of forgiveness in your heart? Is there some unresolved conflict with someone else? You see, if there is, you don't love his appearing. You can't love his appearing. Those who love his appearing are those who have lived a righteous life, lifestyle. Look at 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Same context. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he, that is, his Christ, is pure. In other words, we're motivated to live godly lives by the truth of his appearance. If he's coming back, and I know that he's coming back, then I want to keep my eyes fixed on, on that. I want to keep my, my eyes fixed on that truth. When he appears, I'll be like him, and it purifies me. Knowing that he can appear at any time for me purifies me. That's, that's what Paul is saying. That's why, as you look back at 2 Timothy chapter 4, Verse 8, all who loved his appearance are those who have nothing to be fearful of and to be ashamed of. Coming of Christ is a great incentive to follow in the footsteps of Paul and fight, run, and guard. How important are rewards? Let's just take, as we close this, a few, a few moments to look at rewards. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I won't go into a long study of this, but just let me touch on this. Because some of you need to take seriously the truth that your life will end and rewards are important. And I don't want you to have any regrets. And I don't want you to stand before the Lord and say, but he never told me. You have been told as of tonight. 2 Corinthians, you were told before too. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before, it is translated judgment seat, but it is not a judgment for sin. It is the bema Seat, the seat where the, the judges in the games, athletic contest, gave out rewards, the Bema seat of Christ. 
that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what, has, what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, the Greek word for bad does not mean morally bad, and that might be misleading. It means worthless, useless. It does not mean morally bad, just kind of a wasted life, a life that had no spiritual consequences. It didn't count for eternity. See, the issues are priorities. You want rewards? Then prioritize your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you have basically the same truth with a little bit expansion on it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. What he's saying here is the foundation of our lives is Christ. And every one of us has, the, has to choose the building materials upon which we build our lives. The foundation is the same. It's Christ. He goes on to say, Now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. He is speaking about a, a life of quality. Of what quality was your life? Was it wood, hay, and straw? Now, that's not bad. Wood's not bad. Hay's not bad. Straw's not bad. It's just destructible. It's, it's not worth a whole lot. It's, it's unworthy for a Christian's life. That's his point. It's not that it's morally bad. You build a straw hut, and it's going to be blown down, and fire will burn it up. But if you build your life with gold and silver and precious stones, those are the precious uh, things of, of eternal value. Those are the things that really count. It'll be tried by fire. It'll stand the test. You're not going to lose your salvation because he says in verse 14, if any man's work which he has built upon it remains after the fire gets to it, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. That is loss of a full reward. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is through fire. The issue is not your salvation. The issue is rewards. The issue here is not immorality but just going nowhere, just kind of nowhere people. The point is, is that some Christian live lives that are of little spiritual consequence. And I don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you. Just nowhere. Uh, just recently, Michelle and I watched on, I think it was 2020, the, about the Guinness Book of World Records. Was it 2020? Yeah, the Guinness Book of World Records. You all know about the Guinness Book of World Records. They have things there are very interesting. In fact, it, kind of all interesting, some are the most trivial things that you will find in life. And I thought about Christians when I, when I saw this. As I, as I watched them do this little segment on people who have spent their lives doing the silliest things of no consequence. Uh, one guy has spent his life growing a mustache. He had the longest mustache in the world. His biggest problem in, in life was zipping, zipping up a jacket because he might catch it. He's talking about that. Yes, it could get caught in a car door. And they're interviewing this guy. This gave meaning to his life. It stretched out. I don't know how long. It was amazing. Then another guy does pogo sticks. He does pogo. And, and he's got the record for the longest pogo. It bounces up and down for hours, probably days. And he decided to do something nobody else has ever done. I think he went down to the Amazon someplace, the Amazon, I guess. And he decided nobody has ever taken a pogo into the Amazon and bounced in the Amazon. He's right. Nobody has ever done that. 
and probably nobody ever will do that. But this guy went down there, had a film crew, and you see him just bouncing in the Amazon, in, in the river. The same guy, his next goal, believe it or not, is to walk 27 miles on his knees. Nobody's ever done that. Right. Amazing. Then they had a guy who played the most instruments in a short period of time. He's running around doing And you know what I thought? You know, that's like a lot of Christians. Their lives are of no consequence. Their lives are like a pogo stick bouncer, just up and down. No, I mean, it may be fun, may be happy, not worrying, but who cares? That's what Paul is getting at in 1 Corinthians 3 concerning rewards. It's a matter of priorities. Don't live your life so that it's going nowhere of little spiritual consequence. You say, but I mind my business. I don't, I don't hurt anybody. Yeah, the people in the Guinness Book of World Records don't hurt anybody either. But what difference does it make? That's the point. What difference has your life made? Paul's life made a difference, and he is calling Timothy to take up the mantle and make a difference as well. Here's a man whose life counted. He didn't have a whole lot of comforts. He wasn't the most popular guy in the Roman Empire, but he was faithful. And there's a reward for him. He, he may not have gotten it yet, but he will get it. Folks, men like this pass off the scene. You and I are getting older. And the point of the whole passage is that uh, you and I have to take up the mantle of the dying generation. We have to invest our lives in the things that have eternal value. There are only two things that are really eternal. God's word, the word of God abides forever, and people. People live forever, either in heaven or hell. So you know what? Preach the word to people. Preach the word to people. Preach the eternal word to eternal beings. I can appreciate where Peter Pan, remember him? I remember where, I can appreciate where Peter Pan is coming from. There are times where I'll say to my wife, you know, I, life was so simple when we were back in Bible school. We'd walk through the area and uh, nobody really knew us. Not many people knew us. Nobody's really watching our lives, uh, just trying to get through school. We didn't have the demands on us like we do now. And sometimes I'll say, Michelle, I, 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 I wish we could go back. I wish we could go back and just kind of fit in and not stand out. I really long for that. And yet I understand the word of God is that, no, God is maturing people and he's maturing all of us so that we will be active in being on the front line so that we could say with Paul, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. And what you need to face up to tonight is at the end of your life, will you have regrets or will you have a reward? Paul's call is for all the Timothys, men and women, to grow up, to pick up the mantle, to get in the battle. There is an urgency to the hour. Where will the next group of men and women who are godly come from? You have the opportunity to be one of those. Have you ever said in your heart, God, use me? My teachers are dying off. Those who have taught me, Sunday school teachers, Bible school teachers, preachers, people I've listened to on the radio and, and tapes, they're dying. They're passing off the scene. It's your turn. Don't shirk that responsibility. Don't be like Peter Pan. You are to be active. You are to get involved. 
And you are not to retreat and say, oh, but it was so much simpler in the earlier days. Sure it was. God hasn't called you to stay there. He's called you to go forward. To be a Joshua. To be a Solomon. To be an Elisha. Pick up that mantle. Will you do that? Will you take that responsibility? Because if you won't, God will find someone else. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I pray that you would give us courage, endurance, and discernment as we decide how to spend our lives. Help us to live in such a way that we make an eternal difference in the lives of the people around us. Amen. Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For information on service times, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714 or browse online to lakesidechapel.com. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. You can also call Lakeside to order a free CD with the entire sermon that Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message 6218, The Urgency of the Hour, Part 2. Or you can get the whole series on CD. Call 727-441-1714. And you can listen again to the whole series online or download it at our website, versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. For Steve Kreloff and all the others here at Verse by Verse, thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll be here next time as Pastor Steve launches into another series of Bible studies. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.